Hello, one and all, and welcome back to Dangling Modifiers on the Lexical Tones podcast. I am Jamie Lee Sampson, your Friday guide to all things entrepreneurial, and may I offer my apologies. I've made you wait a whole two weeks for a new episode. I promise I've worked really hard to make this a good one, and today, my friends, we are going to talk about the word that means many things, and that word is royalties. When I think about royalties, I imagine Mr. Darcy saying, indeed, the word is applied too liberally because we have so many different kinds. And today we are going to dig into their meaning. First and foremost, I want to acknowledge that a lot of the information I share in these episodes is synthesized from a collection of my entrepreneurial books. There isn't a single how do composers self-publish book on the market yet. Uh, There are some wonderful entrepreneurial books, though, that I will recommend starting right now. Much of what I'll be discussing today is how money flows through the classical and contemporary classical music sectors of the economy. And the best flow chart I've ever seen for this is in Helen Gammon's book, The Art of Music Publishing. This book is based on the way music publishing in the UK works, but there's a lot of legal and financial crossover between these two countries for some very big and obvious reasons. Why do we need books like this? Well, royalties are defined by where the money comes from. And maximizing each type of royalty requires knowing where that money initiates so you can target your promotion appropriately. There are three kinds of royalties we'll define today, publishing, mechanical, and performance. So let's get into it. Publishing royalties are the payments you receive from a publisher for the sales of your scores and performance materials. And let's say that you decide to publish a score with one of these companies. They'll offer you somewhere between 8 and 10% of the list price on each score sold. So if your score is, let's just do some easy math, if your score is $10, you would receive $1 for each sale. Once a year, you receive a check for all of the scores sold. If it's 15 scores, you'll get $15. Why is it so low? Well, there are some good reasons and some not so good reasons, but let's let's look at the good reasons. I mentioned list price two episodes ago, two dangling modifier episodes ago, and that is how much retailers sell the score for. But they don't buy at that rate. That would have they would have no way to stay in business. Buying a $10 score and selling it for $10 means they have no way to pay their staff, their bills or themselves. So retailers purchase at a discount. Usually a 45 to 55% discount depending on the publisher-retailer relationship. This is what we call the wholesale rate. Now, I personally love selling at wholesale because usually distributors, retailers, excuse me, retailers purchase five or six scores at a time. So while I'm selling at a 50, 45, 50% discount, I am receiving enough money for five scores all at once. It's lovely. But I'm selling it to them at the discount so that they can also pay their bills and feed their families. So if we do a little bit more math, let's say, let's go back, let's go back to the publisher model. If we take that same $10 score and say that the retailer gets a 50% discount, when the score is eventually sold, $1 goes to the composer, $4 goes to the publisher, and $5 goes to the retailer. Now, I personally still think that the composer should get more, but that's why I self-publish. Next week, I'm going to talk about distribution models so you know how to get that 10% above 50%. But right now we're talking about score, sale, royalties. And so we're looking at that true blue original publishing model, which if you get above 10% is magical. The highest I've ever seen is 13, but it's extremely rare. Okay. 
Second kind of royalties are mechanical royalties. These are owed to songwriters and composers for every time a copy of one of their works is made as a result of recording. So when you enter an agreement with a recording label or an ensemble, there should be a a stated rate for each impression of the CD. For example, if you're offered 10 cents per CD and there are a thousand CDs made, they should pay you $100. These shouldn't be confused with sync licenses, which grant permission to an ensemble to create a video of one of your works. We'll talk licenses real soon because they can be a wonderful way to grant permission to use your works for financial compensation. Licenses are not royalties, though, so we'll save that for another episode. We got to talk about copyright first. Uh, And finally, today, let's define performance royalties. And yes, I did purposely save the most confounding type of royalty for last. Performance royalties are monies paid to the composer and publisher for performances of a work. These are highly variable income. If we're thinking about um, active versus passive, these can be extremely passive or they can be moderately active, depending on how involved you want to be in the process. Um, But if we're thinking about anchor versus variable, these are up and down on a year to year basis, and it's a little bit difficult to predict them. The same piece of music performed by the same performer will pay different rates based on the night of the week it's performed, the venue, and the purpose of the concert. If we look at Helen Gammon's flowchart, we'll see that money from this type of royalty comes from the venue or the presenter of a concert. And the rate that is set and is paid to the composer is based on the size of the venue and its potential for ticket sales. A larger hall will pay higher royalties. There are some other variables, like a season concert will pay more than an educational concert. That's why these are so difficult to predict. There are two major performance royalty organizations, otherwise known as PROs. That's what I'm, I'm going to use that abbreviation from now on. But there are two major performance royalty organizations, or PROs, in the United States, and they are ASCAP and BMI. There is a third one. It's invitation only, so I tend to teach these two because these are the ones you can join today. In order to earn performance royalties, composers must join one of these, upload a list of their works and details about each one, its length, its forces, etc., and then submit programs from the various performances of these works. At the end of each submission period, the income from all of those venues that have acquired permission, a license, to perform works by ASCAP and BMI composers, all of that money is divided up. 50% of royalty payments go to publishers, 50% go to the composer or songwriter. This is one area I think is really murky as far as predictability, so people tend to hit the snooze on dealing with it. We wait until we're out of school to pick ASCAP or BMI. We wait to register pieces. We don't submit programs with any sort of regularity. If this feels familiar to you, sounds familiar to you, it's really common. Don't worry about it. But I will say a few years ago, I tried an experiment. I spent a year taking older works and promoting them to my network, reaching out to friends who might like something that was already written, emailing some youth orchestras about works that were level appropriate. My goal was to increase the number of performances of my works to 20%. And to do this, I really had to rely on those older works. I can't just keep writing new ones and expect to increase the number of performances I, I receive. I meticulously tracked and reported performances, and it paid off in a huge way, and it did so just at the right time. It was March 2020. And all of my other income streams looked a little perilous just because I didn't know what was going to happen. I did not not expect contracts to be honored because things were changing so rapidly. So 
All of those were for 2019 performances, and obviously I've had a dip and retake in performances due to global circumstances, but that March 2020 check really helped me get income in place in other areas so I didn't have to rely so much on the performance royalties saving my butt in March. Um, I have a solid goal for 2022's performances and it looks like I'm going to meet it. And then my plan is to do the same thing for 2023 and try and increase another 20% that next year. So what does all of this mean? This is your alarm clock speaking saying don't hit snooze. Get on performance royalties. It's one of the easiest ways to increase your passive income. It does take a little bit of active work, but it should pay off pretty well in the long run. Your works are getting performed and the venues are already paying for the ASCAP and BMI licenses, so your money's waiting for you. Get your admin hat on once a month and submit those programs. Next week on Dangling Modifiers, let's talk about distribution models. What are the different methods by which you can sell a score and which one serves you and your lifestyle best? Until then, friends, this is Jamie for Lexical Tone saying, submit your programs. Thanks for listening. As always, if you want to find out more about adjective new music or lexical tones, please go to our website, www.adjectivenewmusic.com.